Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Contra Radio Network. Preparedness Radio. With your host, John Jeffers. And good evening, John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief, presented on the Contra Radio Network. It is true. All right. Well, let's talk about a few things tonight. First thing I want to talk to you about. Well, first, let me do this. I want to welcome Michelle B. to Contra Radio Network. She's a businesswoman for Trump, so I like her already. But I wanted to give a shout-out to her. Uh, she'll be on the Contra Dawn show. So um, you might want to listen up. All right. You know, tonight, one of the things I want to talk about is some of the, uh, the six dangerous urban survival myths about water. Look, it seems simple. It really does, doesn't it? But it's the little details that will screw up any plan, any good plan, any plan. And if you really think about it, these small details creep into everything. They even screw us up now when the grid is up. So start training yourself now to start thinking about these little details. Now let's suppose this scenario. You're on a patrol with your group. You're just doing some recon, looking for some supplies, doing what you need to do. But let's let's just say... You've been out a bit longer than you should have. Water is kind of getting tight, so you got to start finding uh, some water to refill. You know, it doesn't, you know, it's my rule is keep your canteen full at all times, whenever possible. All right. You with me on that? Yes. All right. Uh, Dan August is in the video chat room on the Contra Radio Network group page. That's where we're doing our live video feed. Rob is in. And Timothy is in. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Appreciate it. Glad you're here. Feel free to comment. And if you want to call into Alpine, our number is 516-453-9389. Now, let's get back to it. We were talking about you're on a patrol, doing a little recon. You're out a bit longer than you're supposed to. Water's getting low. You've got to find some water supply. And let's just say, all right, let's just say, for whatever reason, you don't have your survival straw. Now, if you don't have one, you need to get one. They're about 20 bucks or less, and they're well worth it, believe me. All right. So uh, according to Survival Catch, that's the gear site for a survivalist. That's where I got this, and I want to share it with you because I found it very informative, and it got me thinking about some things. And like I said, in my world, on John Jeffers' planet, we all carry full canteens and keep them full as much and as long as possible. But as like I said... It's the little details that screw up any good plan. So let's get with it. Um, you know, as with everything in survival, there are a lot of rumors floating around about what works and what doesn't. Is that not the understatement of the year when it comes to prepping? It really is. So when it comes to staying hydrated and water survival, there is no exception. Now, we found a number of the most prevalent urban myths and dangerous rumors that's urban myths and dangerous rumors that have been passed along, and so they decided to address them here. Number one, running water is safe to drink. You know, remember, it came from somewhere, and the source or, and what it came in contact with between the source and reaching your location could be suspect. Typically, if you have to choose between running water and stagnant water, always default to the former, that is, the running water. But make sure... You also treat and purify the water before you consume it. That's why it's good to have those little uh, purification tablets you drop in the water. Yeah, yeah. That's right, little camper. You got to have that. And you should always have a pack of those 
in your canteen holder. There's a little pocket on the side of your canteen holder. It's not there for you to put your waterproof matches in. It's there for those water purification tablets. They're really cheap. And does it make the water taste kind of, yeah, it does. But it's better than having diarrhea and puking your guts out because you are now infected. Number two, eating snow is a great way to rehydrate safely. No. This can actually lead to further dehydration due to the process your body has to go through to heat and melt the snow once you eat it. It can also lead to what? Let's say it together, smart listeners, hypothermia. Hypothermia. Also, if the snow has been on the ground for a significant period of time, it could contain bacteria and other organisms that can make you sick. So always try to melt the snow before you consume it. If the snow is not white and fresh, stay away from it, or at least make sure you purify and treat it as you would any other suspect water after you melt it. Number three. Oh, good God. <laughs> Remember, guys, this is urban water mist, okay? For a Drinking salt water in small amounts is safe. No, no, no. Drinking salt water in any amount will lead to further what? Say it together. Dehydration. And death more quickly than if you went without water at all. You can use salt water to cool down your body, but never to drink. (sighs) Number four. (laughs) Water found in natural depressions is safe to drink. No. It should be treated before drinking. It has all the risk associated with stagnant groundwater and runoff. Now, here's a great one. And you, and you know you've heard it, and so have I. Oh, boy. Here we go. Hey, Joe Wager Smith III. Hey, Joe, welcome to the broadcast. You're a new listener. Glad to have you here, pal. Everybody say hi to Joe. He's on the... Uh, chat on the video feed right now i see terry checked in by the way terry if you're going to sit there and you're going to call me for an hour talking about your fire rings post the damn things on the crn group page so we get the word out there so your kid can get some money for college hello yeah what's that terry yellow snow tastes like lemons i don't want i mean i'm not going to talk to you whack job let's get back to let's get back to it now here's number five and you've all heard it drinking urine will prevent dehydration Uh uh-huh you can drink urine one to two times in an extreme repeat extreme emergency but remember urine is how you're what you you pass waste products out of your body there is more water than waste products in a well-hydrated individual. However, the ratio goes down as your hydration levels go down. So hence, your urine will become darker colored as you become more what? Dehydrated. To turn around and put those waste products back into your body and force it to process and filter them again causes more work and bogs your body systems down. This forces your body to need more what? More water to complete the body process and once again try and pass these waste products yet again in addition to the new waste products created by the increased workload. It is a process of diminishing returns and eventually your body will shut itself down. Number six. And, uh, you know, we're um, Brian K. Brian Kistler. He, he, he could probably tell you a lot about this stuff. Barrel cacti are a great source of water. This is not necessarily true. Although cacti do hold water, the odds are that inside will be tough and fibrous and the water contained will not be abundant. In addition, in addition, there is a greater likelihood that the water inside will be bitter and acidic, which means what? Which means what? It could induce vomiting, diarrhea, and cramps. This would further complicate a survival situation and speed up what? dehydration now there are probably more rumors out there that are not addressed and if you've heard something in relation to the water and survival especially if you are suspect about the claim let us know maybe between us and other readers of this site and on this um, 
radio show. We can help dispel any other bad uh, advice out there. The bottom line is you're going to be better off being as prepared as possible and not risking your life as an experiment for rumor and misinformation because water is the most important for all you new preppers. Water is the most important ingredient in your survival formula, and taking care of ensuring that you have access to this valuable commodity will pay tremendous dividends to you or your loved ones. Got it? Yes? Agreed? Yo, what do you think? Am I right? Are we right? Well, there we go. All right. All right. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm just checking out the... Uh, chat here on the video feed on the Contra Radio Network uh, group page. We have two pages, a like page and a group page. Group page allows you listeners to post your stuff. That reminds me. Um, hey, I posted a picture of Ventura County uh, the other night. Jason, Jason, you get a gold star for thinking about because I didn't even realize it. <laughs> and if you scroll to the uh, group page, you'll scroll down, you'll see it. It's, it shows a blackout. And around Ventura County, but it's taken at night, and you see a few houses here, there, wherever. Those are the houses that have generators. Think about that. Check it out for yourself, Jason. You get a gold star. You go to head of the class for tonight and tonight only. All right. All right. Things to think about. You know, that's what I wanted to um, chat with you about. Okay, real quickly, um, let me ask you something. Facebook is full, I repeat, full of these, um, eh, for lack of a better word, uh, keyboard warriors. You know who I'm talking about. You've seen them. I've seen them. We've all seen them. My question to you is this. You know, I understand the emotions get high, especially after the Steinle verdict. Emotions get high. Things are said or tight. And it got me thinking, you know what? Everybody wants to be a patriot when they're sitting behind their keyboard. Even sitting behind the microphone like I am. Until it's time to do patriot shit. What would it take for you to involve yourself physically? I'm not talking about getting on the keyboard. I'm talking about showing up and putting yourself on the battle line. What would it take for you to do that? I'm not expecting any answers, but it is something that we have to start talking about. Because i got to tell you something. I don't want us as patriots, as listeners of this show, to go the way we see the liberal fascist, because that's what they are, the liberal communist, how they get on the you know Facebook or wherever, go online, and they're all big talk. They are. They're all big talk until they decide. Oh well, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do that, or they show up. And then they realize there's more patriots than them there. Compatriots are not as numerous as ours. And then, of course, they skulk away. I will say this. For the patriots who do show up and they're outnumbered by the uh, fascist, by the communist, by the snowflakes, Those patriots stay. They stick. They don't skulk away. They don't disappear. They hang in there and they hang tough for the duration. So my question to you is this, my listeners, because you guys are smart. Very, you know, smart listeners, smart people. That's why you listen to me. And it's, you know, and... You have to ask yourself, what are you willing to do? How far does it have to go before you actually, as Tim says right here, he says, 
in all serious, seriousness, I'd have to have a hard time possibility leaving the family fatherless if I got caught up in a physical patriot movement. That's not cowardice. It isn't. That's called rational thought. But my question to you was, and to all the others, what would it take? What if, by some dark miracle from Satan himself, they managed to either impeach Trump or Trump is assassinated? Would that be enough for you to take to the streets? Roll the dice and risk it all. You know, as responsible men, we have our families. No, no, no man wants to leave his family. But at what point do you say, I, yes, I don't want to leave my family, but if I don't do this, my family's going to be in you know, further trouble down the line if I stay. Yes. Yeah. And, and, Rob, and Rob, he says the same thing. He says, I prep to protect my family, but I also understand taking the fight to the doorstep instead of mine. My question is, what would it take? How would you respond? What would you do? Just, I just want to put it out there because we ought, we ought to think about this. If we don't think about it now, when things, when the, you know, when things are, you know, quote unquote good, we sure as hell don't want to make these decisions under the gun. We don't. And we shouldn't have to, and we should not do that. It's not, uh, it's not good. All right. Just something I wanted to put out there to you. What's it gonna? What would it take? Would it take a total abrogation of the Constitution? If the fall of, the, of, the, of our constitutional republic was imminent, would you take to the streets? Just a question. And as long as we have our friends' hats on. Together, let's just ask it. You know, there. I got a comment on uh, a show a couple weeks ago on YouTube, and you can see it. It's on the. It's under my name, John Jeffers, because I don't have enough subscribers yet to turn it into a. I need like 150 subscribers before I can actually change the title of the YouTube channel. But uh, under it, an uh, individual that goes by the handle, the moniker Chevy 4x4, had posted a comment. He says, um, I gave you 11 minutes, and you wasted my time. My response to him was, okay, thank you for your time. You know, I, I, I don't know who the person is. You know, I just wanted to, you know, he wanted to share it out there. You know, perhaps... Perhaps um, I should have wrote down, thank you for your time. Could you give me a chance to listen to your show so I can pick up some better tips on how to do it? You know, I want to put out there. I did not uh, get rid of it. I did not ban him. I didn't. I just say, if you've listened to this show at any point in time, you realize a couple things. One, I'll let most everybody talk. I don't care what you say. I will not put up with, however, any liberal crap. I just will not stomach it. I won't tolerate it. I've got no use for it, and I'm not going to subject my audience or my listeners that I've worked hard for for the last four years building up to that pablum, to that diatribe. They've got to listen to it long enough from other people. They're not going to hear it from me. And, yeah, Rob, we can't save everyone, but we can sure as hell try. We try. Oh, who we got there? I see Chuck is in there. Um, you know, Chuck, I sent you a, a link for the second week in a row to join me on the show as a co-host, but you have let me down again. You'll be punished later. Tie you up in the basement and leave you there. <laughs> all right. Hey, you know, I don't I don't have all the answers. Don't claim to. No, tonight, well, what am I drinking tonight? Oops, here we go. It's by uh, Super Super Antioxidant Super Tea. One gram of sugar. The wife decided to make Taco Bell tonight. 
So I'm sure in a few hours I'll be um, in the library. Eight hours. All right. Here's a little something I want to get back to you. Something I think we need to talk about as well. You know, the issue is this. Um, where did I find this? Oh, yeah, Urban Survival Site. I, I do like them people. They make they put some good stuff. And the question they pose is, what if a disaster strikes while you're away from home? Well, let's be honest about it. you got a 50-50 chance of that happening because you're either at home or you're not. So you got a 50-50 chance of disaster striking while you're away from home. Now, believe it or not, there are some people out there. I happen to know of one person who get this, get this, listen to this, guys. Yes, you can call in, but it doesn't mean I'm going to answer you, especially you, Kaz, wasting my time. Anyways, um, the person, um, I know one person, he doesn't go anywhere, will not leave the house. He has the news on all the time. Now, look, I thought I was bad. This guy makes me look like a cartoon. Like a, he won't go anywhere with his wife, doesn't care. He is so wrapped up in this thought, this thought process that it can't be away because what if disaster strikes? You cannot live your life that way, folks. You cannot do it. Okay. You, you, you see where I'm going with it, right? So if a person's home is their castle and for preppers, almost every aspect of their survival plan is centered around them being at home when disaster strikes. But what if disaster strikes while you're away from home? Let's face it, a lot of you work. Not everybody does the telecommute. Not everybody works from home. Everyone spends some time away from their home for one reason or another, be it a vacation, business trip, or visiting family for the holidays. So the question is, how would you respond if a disaster occurred while you're away on one of those, these trips? What can you do to prepare for that scenario? So here are, a few tri- here are a few tips for you. Put together an EDC bag. You're going, what the hell is an EDC bag? Especially if you new people out there. EDC, everyday carry bag, is one of the best ways to ensure that you are prepared no matter where you go. First, let's, let's define what an EDC bag is and how it should be treated. Now, a bug-out bag could be stored in your home and is meant to be grabbed in case you have to quickly evacuate. An EDC bag is something you carry with you wherever you go. It doesn't necessarily have to be on your person at all times but it should be stored in a spot where it's easily accessible at all times, such as the trunk of your vehicle. And this is important because if you don't have an EC bag when your disaster strikes, it'll be completely what? Useless. So taking an ECD bag with you while traveling shouldn't be much of a hassle if you already have luggage. Like, for example, my wife and I, we have the RV, the travel trailer. That's my EDC bag. (laughs) Ask Terry. He's seen it. In fact, I'm surprised he hasn't bought one already. But if you're flying, just use a larger suitcase than you normally would and put your EDC bag in there. Now, they won't let you carry most EDC items on the plane. But as soon as you land, get it out of your luggage. Um, We had one of our guests some time ago. And you can carry the firearm with you, not on your person, but you can put it in your bag when you go on the plane. All you got to tell them. Make sure the ammunition is not in it, and you know, it, it's really not that it's not that difficult. Many people do it all the time, but you just can't. You can't have it on your carry-on. Can't have it on your person. Fair enough. All right. Now, speaking of EDC items, what items should you carry in an EDC bag? Well, the answer to this is wide-ranging. Here are a few great items to consider. All right. How about a flashlight, knife, or a multi-tool, a lighter? Portable water filter like a life straw. Hmm. We just talked about that, did we not? We did. How about an all-weather blanket? All-weather blankets are really light. Mini first aid kit. Over-the-counter medications like ibuprofen or, you know, uh, uh, what's a modal? You might see some of that. How about mini solar panels with a power bank? Firearm. Protein bars. How about a tactical pen? In paper, a change of warm clothes, and anything else you might need or want in a disaster situation. You know, a big part of disaster preparation is having the right items when a disaster strikes. So if you commit to having an EDC bag with all these items at all times, you'll be better off than 99% of the other people on the plane or on the highway with you. Got it? All right, now let's use your wits. 
because it's great to have useful items in case disaster strikes. But the most useful item you have goes with everything and goes with you everywhere. It's your mind. It's that piece of mush that is between your four eyes and the back of your skull and between your ears. That's the most powerful weapon you'll have. But you've got to know how to use it. Now, while using your wits is always important in a disaster scenario, it is especially important if that disaster happens to strike while you're away from home. So being caught up in a disaster in an unfamiliar city will require intense levels of problem-solving and decision-making that will tax even those with the most honed survival instincts. For this reason, one of the most effective ways you can prepare for dealing with a disaster while away from home is to start honing your problem-solving abilities and what? Situational awareness. It's got to be top-notch at that point. Now, research how to survive scenarios and environments that may not normally be, be applicable to you. For example, if you live in Miami, desert survival may not be something you're concerned about. But if you're in the middle of a road trip across the country and happen to be in the middle of Texas when an EMP goes off, desert survival skills will be crucial if you want to live. The bottom line is this, folks. The more you know, the more you'll be prepared for. Since travel forces you into environments and situations that are outside your normal routine and outside your comfort zone, it's important to know how to deal with every possible environment and situation in case disaster strikes while you're there. Now, let's plan your trip in advance, okay? While knowing as much as possible is great, travelers do have the advantage of knowing where they're traveling to and this information that you should put to use. For example, if you're traveling to a small town in Idaho, take the time to learn about the place before you leave. What type of shelters do they have? What are the woods surrounding the town like? Are there any dangerous animals you need to know about? Are there any fresh water sources nearby? What about food sources? If you're traveling outside your country, it's important to consider how the government, as well as your citizens, as the citizens, will respond to a disaster. Will you be able to trust government officials to help you, or will you be better off steering clear of them? Will you be able to return home, and if so, what is your plan for getting there? You know, Kenny, one of our uh, earlier listeners, and he, all, you know, the guy that knows everything about, you know, canning food. Kenny travels overseas all the time. And he thinks about this stuff. He's always in Europe, back and forth, back and forth. And we've talked about it a few times. I said, how do you plan to get home? He says, it depends on where I am and what's going on. And the most important question he has to ask himself is, can I get home? Should I even plan on trying to get home? You know, that's the first thing. So knowing the answers to these questions ahead of time will make you far more prepared to deal with a disaster than you would be if you're trying to figure it out on the fly. Look, on-the-job training is bad enough. Trying to do it with a gun to your head is twice as hard. So while you're researching the place you're traveling, be sure to hop over to Google Maps and get a feel for the layout of the place. Satellite imagery has made it easier than ever to access images of anywhere in the world. You know, allowing you to memorize the layout of a town, city, or stretch of wilderness before you even arrive. Being able to use this knowledge to swiftly navigate your new environment would prove incredibly useful in the event of a disaster, yes or no. I think that's probably wise. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, what else we got there? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason, you missed a bud. You're... Uh, you're late on there. I gave you a gold star for your uh, picture of the Ventura County, your comment that you put on there about the houses that have the lights on. Those are the houses with what? The power generators. I, you missed it, buddy. I gave you a gold star and told you to go ahead of the class. I'm glad you're on. He's on the uh, video live video feed right now on the CRN uh, group page on Facebook. He also says, hey, you know what? Take a, take a set of lock picks. I know what you're thinking. Don't tell people about lockpicks. Well, why not? Look, bad guys already know how to use them. I'm not giving away any state secrets at this point. Rob says learn to use the compass. Chuck says avoid major streets and highways. Follow the railroad lines. Oh, what's we got here? Uh uh My, oh, my, oh, my. Lots of good stuff tonight. Um, Something I want to uh, point out to you in case you missed it. Uh, yesterday. I don't know about you guys, but in the morning, because I'm retired, I have time to putz around like Terry does. In the morning, I like to watch Barney and Company on Fox Business News. 
from 8 Central until 11 a.m. Central. Um, they reported, and I don't know if you guys caught this because it wasn't very much played off. Uh, Senator Graham, Lindsey Graham, I, I don't like the man. I think he's a weasel from the word go. I find him to be untrustworthy. But what he said was quite interesting. And it wasn't reported. I hadn't seen it reported practically anywhere. But um, he's, he mentioned something about the uh, – because they, they, they did talk about the military exercises going on in South Korea that happen every year. Every year, South Korea and the United States get together. They have their war games, their you know, combined arms and military exercises. And every year, North Korea screams their bloody head off that, you know, they're going to decapitate the United States, the imperial puppets in the South, yada, yada, yada. Every year, it's the same thing. It's been that way since I can remember. Anyways, (laughs) Graham said something, and I think he let it slip. And what he said was, perhaps now is the time to start evacuating U.S. military families from South Korea. Did you guys catch that? I did. And so they showed him a video. They showed him, now did they report it, but they showed him the video of him saying it. And I'm thinking, so I'm watching the guy and I'm watching his body language. And it seems as soon as he said it, he wanted to go, get those words back in. You know, he didn't want to, he got it, he let it out. But be that as it may, I found it very interesting because it, that look if you're in the military and you're in uh, the army, for example, and Terry will tell you this during the Cold War, you know if you had family in Europe with you, you know because much of Europe you could have your family with you at your duty station and um you know, your wife, kids, whatever, could join you at your duty station. It wasn't a hardship station like, say, uh, Korea is, especially if you're, I believe it's the Black Horse Division. The 20, I think it's the 29th Division. I'm not sure. Uh, that's considered a hardship uh, post, depending on where you're actually posted to. You can't have your family with you, but, you know, there are, you know, there's still American you know, military families that are allowed to go to South Korea. But uh, what I was getting at is that, you know, when you're in the Reagan military, it was, it was, you know, if war were to break out in Europe, you know, what would happen is when they did the reforger, implemented reforger, the return of forces to Germany, uh, planes, you know, the troop planes and ships would go to Europe, deposit troops, logistical supplies, et cetera. And coming back, they would throw the uh, dependents, military dependents, on the returning flights and ships and get them the hell out of Europe. Um, the same, I believe, is probably true even today, only not as pronounced, except for maybe, well, you know, it's maybe South Korea. And like I said, does, did Graham let something slip? Did he give an indication? Perhaps he shouldn't have. Like I said, I don't trust Graham anyways. I said, I find him to be a weasel of the first order. I'm just putting it out there, guys. So anyways, um, what do you know? Oh, my, oh, my, I've got callers. I, oh, I got callers. What is it, Terry? What do you want to say? Well, howdy, howdy, everybody. How you doing? You know, uh, you know you miss me, John. Yeah, like a Come bad on. case of... Like a bad case of herpes, bastard. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Well, well, first of all, what you said before about sending the, the dependents home, um, military dependents home, that's true. Because, like, for for example, the uh, down in Panama, when we were going to hit Noriega, mm-hmm. um, one week prior, we were – they were like, okay, we want everybody to send their families home, their wives, their children, send them back to the states. Where, where did the order It wasn't exactly from? Uh, from command, but it wasn't really uh, an order. It wasn't. It wasn't mandatory. You know, um, 
it was voluntary, but strictly, uh, what do you call it? Um, highly suggested that you do <laughs> take advantage of this and do it now just in case, but it, it wasn't that it wasn't exactly mandatory. I don't believe. Right. Okay. But like, uh, and, uh, but there, there was still some dependents that stayed behind. Not everybody left, you right. know? Um, but I tell you what, if we start seeing people pulling out, when they start sending dependents home, it's the same thing as an embassy. Uh, right. Embassies will pull their staff, their lower staff non-essentials, which are ma- mainly the locals, you know, mm-hmm. the local people in that country. And then then they will go to the next level of uh, non-essential personnel, like they even have a cafeterias and a few secretaries, some cleaning ladies or something like that. They'll just tell them, okay, don't come by. Then they'll have things like, um, okay, we want uh, dependents and things like that, your family members to go home and even other um, Americans abroad, Americans in that country. So, um, right. They'll just, they'll tell everybody if you're American, have American passport, we suggest you leave. Conflicts are fixing to get um, very scary. And that's happened several times. And then it's even gone down to skeleton crew um, of embassies. And then the skeleton crew is like the security, um, the the embassy staff that has to be there to for any type of operations, especially communications uh, relays, which is what embassies are for. And um, and then they're also doing things like uh, securing anything that might be secret or top secret, uh, because there's all kinds of documentation or hard drives that are, that will be taken out of the picture in case an embassy is taken over or consulate, right? Right. So like uh, the highest degree is when they say, okay, evacuate the um, embassy. That's it. We're done. Like they did with uh, Saigon in Vietnam. Saigon. At the very at the very end in Saigon, and they completely uh, evacuated on the last helicopter, you know, thing. So, you know, um, those are the that's the drastic measure. But when you see, if we start to see anything like this in Korea, mm-hmm. they believe that something's going to go on, or they know something's going to go on because they're planning to do it. So it's it's one of those two. They're either scared that like you know what, we think they're going to do something. Somebody's right. going to make a move. It ain't, it ain't us. We don't, we're not trying to, but, but by God, we'll, we'll do what we have to either mm-hmm. that or, or their plan, or we, we're planning on, a, on making an attack. Right. So either way, I think Chuck, go ahead, pal. I know you've been waiting patiently. Chuck. Chuck. Char- Charlie Brown. Ah, ah, found the mute button. Ah, okay. All right. I found the mute button. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I was listening to what you were saying uh, about what the, what you should bring with for your uh, yeah for your for your bag your your get out of dodge bag is what I would refer to it as. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I guess the survival bag is is referred to by many acronyms these days. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, what, I read an interesting piece on. Um, uh, what the hell is is it? Instagram? No, it was uh, Pinterest. And on Pinterest, basically, they said, you know, in case an EMP happens and you happen to be at work and all that stuff, and all of a sudden everything turns off, the cars stop working, the computers are turned off, it won't ever come on again. At that point, you don't need to be at work anymore. Just basically <laughs> gather up all your stuff and leave, regardless what your coworkers think. Your coworkers are probably thinking, well, you know what? It's, it's probably a glitch and it'll start up pretty soon, right? And they keep on trying to power it on, power it on, power it on, whatever, over and over and over again. And a lot of people are, are probably thinking, well, you know, we'll just stick around here and then the government will come in and, and give us whatever. And there's, there's lots of unreasonable uh, expectations that Americans have uh, that, that, for some reason, does not even have anything to do with reason, let alone reality. Okay, once an EMP hits, communications are out. 
The government will not know that you need help because you won't be able to call the government to begin with. Not even 911 or emergency responders will be able to to hear your cry for help. Nope. Because they nope. probably won't have vehicles at all, and they won't have any communications either. When the when EMP strikes and everything goes down, including your computers at work, at that particular point, you're off the clock, and you get mm-hmm. out, and, and, you, and you go to your car and get whatever you, you need to get out of your car, and you start hoofing it back to home. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, you would hope that's what the listeners of this show would do. Like you said, recognize EMP, computers aren't coming in. Meanwhile, tick-tock, tick-tock. Every minute that you it's waste, a, there's another minute you're going to have against time. It's a race against time. There's going to be lots of confusion for the first couple of hours. Right. But at the end of the day or the second day, people are going to become hungry and desperate and willing they can to... Eat, to eat Snickers and, and psychotic. Yeah, and, psych, and psychotic and, and sociopaths. Because a lot don't matter anymore. They're hungry. They're starved. So you're going to have to get home and make sure you're able to, you know, be there with with your family and 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 right. be able to protect it. And you know what? The one thing about this particular article is that it, it encourages working with your neighbors and in, in your community, which which I guess mm-hmm. makes sense in the long term. But a lot of people, even a lot of preppers like myself, are thinking, well, if I do talk to them and if I do give them some of my stuff, it's it's like, well, everyone will know, right? And and. Right. A lot of people no, they don't were... want to do that because, yeah, a lot of people don't want to do that because they, they spent a lot of money and time being able right. to accumulate all these provisions and everything for the sake Correct. of their family. And now if you hog it all up, then guess what? You become public enemy number one, especially if oh, they yeah. know about it. So it, it gets to the point where you and, – and, and this is what the compromising suggestion is of this article. Part with some of your preps in order to gain health and support. Right? Yeah, I know. And 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 I'm I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, maybe I'm better off getting the hell out, getting the heck out of Dodge, and having to avoid the whole thing altogether. You know? But, I, what do you think? No, that's an issue. I mean, let's face it. I'll be honest with you. I'm retired. You think I work? No, because that's why I'm retired. I don't have to work. I get paid for breathing. However, my wife, is in Northbrook. We've talked about this. You know? And I said, do what you got to do. Get here. I said, you have to walk, walk. I said, you could walk. It'll take a long time. But Shoe Leather Express, that's fine. It's reliable. You know, but like, it, like I said, it's a golden hour. It's TikTok. It's time running out. And like, look, I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with all of you. Everybody knows I'm a prepper. Imagine that. Everybody knows that Terry's a prepper. Everyone knows that Chuck is a prepper. Why? Because we've taken upon ourselves to be responsible to help other people be preppers. And by doing so, we've exposed ourselves. We understand that. We accept that. And that's okay. That's what, I, that's what we do. That's but I we think do. that we got, our, we got our game on where we, we've weighed the costs also. Not everybody should do what we do, in my opinion. Not, not everybody should because – if, if you think you you you, know, you might have a problem with people knowing, then don't expose yourself. That's a good point. You know, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Don't expose yourself. I'm comfortable with it. You like know, you know, you know, one thing that always bothers me every time I see it, I see it a lot. Um, people show their guns on Facebook or stuff like that. Like I got this pistol, I got that rifle, something like that. And I, you know, sometimes I comment. Sometimes, most of the time, I just leave it alone. But I'm like, I'll comment like, you should not show, your, you know, show your hand. You should never show your weapons on online. Don't, don't do it unless you're a thug and you want your homies to be up, loud and proud of you. <laughs> then go ahead and you know be the thug. You know, I, I just had an idea uh, just crossed my mind when Mike Chuck Kelly. was talking. I uh, I thought, you know what, if we if one of us was gone, like away from home, say maybe you're a truck driver or maybe you're traveling for some reason or your your work is uh, 30, 50 miles away from home, uh, which happens a lot. Um, 
then if something happens, well, maybe we could do like uh, what contingency packages, like um, a list in case something happens and you cannot get a hold of me. There's a problem, and you can list different problems that might give that kind of awareness. Then you say after after 12 hours, I want you to do this. After 24 hours, I want you to do that. Yeah, uh, I want you to, you know what I mean? Uh, things that I want you to, to do in case I'm not here. And I can't talk to you. I can't tell you what to do now. Even though you've instructed your family, I mean, let's face it. Not everybody in the family is on board. Not everybody in the family is going to be paying attention to what we're doing. But, Say it ain't so. You know what I mean? so. Like, what if, the, what, what, if, what if mom and dad, what if mom and dad are out and they went and they're like 30 miles away visiting some friends? Well, okay. And nothing but the teenagers are home, you know? Well, it's going to take a while for you to get 30, 40 miles back home. And for me, I can get here a lot faster if I'm by myself, but I've got to make sure I bring my wife, you know? So, and weather. um, and weather. God, you know, you have to include the weather. Yeah. I mean, so what are the conditions? What's really going on? Uh, right. are there any hazards in your way? Uh, is it safer to stay off the highway right now? Um, because like, you know, like red dawn, is there an invasion now there's checkpoints or was it a natural calamity where, Yellowstone went off and we've got ash everywhere and it's, it's hazardous just to be out there, you know, choking hazards, breathing, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Or was it, um, this thing with the fire in California that sprung up in like a few hours and boom, you got tens of thousands of acres being burned. No, it's true. It's true. So there's all kinds of calamities that can go on. What, what if, what if you're, if you live in the city or or one side of the city and a, a metro area blows up, I mean, they're just riots everywhere, like something out of Rodney King. Um, you can't get home unless you drive way out of the city and then drive way, way, way out. I mean, you know, hopefully you're smart enough to stay out of the, the mix. But if... If shit happens, you you gotta um, what 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 if you are living downtown or something? You know, tell your kids be quiet, keep the lights off, you know, things like that, right? Because in today's day and age, these things spring up like crazy. Like, uh, what's that thing when they when they send text to everybody and then everybody shows up at one time? Uh, text alert. Flash mob, you know, yeah, like a flash mob thing, you know, and Antifa. I wouldn't put that against them. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. That's that's who they are. Some of us will hope they do just that. Yeah, they wouldn't do that shit out in the country. I tell you that. You know where I live. (laughs) I do know where they wouldn't try that shit around here. (laughs) No. No, no, they would not. There's right. too many, there's too many people out here that would uh, show up and tell them to shut the hell up and get out. <laughs> Go knock some heads. Our 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 police department would not fool around with that either. They'd get them out of town. They'd arrest them. Why? I say get them out of town. If you arrest them, you got to take care of the fools. I'm I'm just saying, I mean, compared to something like Berkeley, where they just watch it happen, no, our cops wouldn't do that. Well, that's They're not going to watch people th- uh, destroy a building. Well, it's like in Charlottesville. It finally came out that the stand-down order came down from the chief of police because he wanted it easier as a legal means to declare that they're, uh, they're, it's an unlawful gathering. That yeah, that's is funny. what when you decide to neglect your sworn duty, when you decide it's much more easier to play the silly legal game as opposed to just doing the job 
that you were that you swore to do. You know what? If you do the job you're sworn to do, you're not going to have any problems with the courts. It's when you stop doing the job that you were sworn to do, and you decide to implement a new mission. It doesn't work out, guys. It just doesn't. Plus, you get hammered in court when that happens, and you will see that happen eventually. What's Rob saying? Rob wants to know if carrying a rifle on the walk home, yay or nay? Um, that depends on the situation, always. You know what? Uh, in some places, they'll arrest you. Like, what are you doing but, with the rifle, buddy? Well, let's put it but if it's, a, if it's a disaster or a regional disaster and you're in that region, or a catastrophe, bigger fish to fry, baby. Bigger fish to fry. You know, that's just depends what, that's it depends thing. a lot on what kind of rifle because you if you have a a twenty two and you look like and you're in an area that has curfews and looting problems and this and that and you're walking around with a rifle, they're gonna be like, Hey buddy, come here. What are hey, you doing? Say the two words. You know. Say it. Situational awareness. Know where the hell you are and what's going on. Say it. Yeah. Say I mean, situational awareness. Say it. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be easier with a sidearm than it is with a rifle um, because you can conceal it, right? Sure, there may be some companies that will have the sticker on their door, no firearms are allowed on this property and all that stuff, but in your car, that's where the Castro will kick in. It's uh, uh, basically your car is sovereign territory. So it doesn't make a difference if it's on property, if it's on company property or company uh, at all, because got, if it's in your freaking car, that's that's your business. What? Oh hell, that's funny. What did? Oh, good God, I had me laughing and I started choking and I couldn't even. I forgot about it. You said something good there, Chuck. <laughs> what I was going to say, man. But I thought, oh hell yeah, had me laughing about it. Oh well. I'll remember it. Yeah, no, right? You guys giggle like you're from Arkham Asylum, man. <laughs> oh, we are. I start giggling. <laughs> Some of the stuff yeah, is just but, about it. But I, I do think it's more viable and more realistic to have sidearms on you, something that you can carry, you know, in your in your uh, uh, backpack or, or in your go bag, and and uh, it is concealable because at that particular point, if if SHTA, if if there was an SHTA situation and it was an EMP. Who are they going to call? How are they going to call? Who's going to come to stop you? You know what I mean? Right. So at that Classic. particular point, you, yeah, you, I mean, I, I, th- I think, uh, and, and if they don't see it, people won't get scared or spooked and all stuff. And you, and you only need to break it out if your life is going to be in danger. So, but the whole point of, of escaping and evading uh, is, is basically to not, not to, and, and, and there's another thing that I mentioned earlier, but I'm not exactly sure people will actually do that. If you're trying to get home, and you want to avoid mobs and, and you know, uh, any type of uh, compromising situations, a lot of the books are saying don't don't uh, follow highways and major streets. Follow the railroad and try to make your way home that way. And if, if possible, do it by night so that you won't be seen as much. And there's not going to be any lights or anything like that to, to, for, for them to see you. So that's also a possibility, but... One would have to know about the railroad uh, network in the area to know which one to take or which one to follow. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. It sounds like a good idea, and in theory, yeah, I think I think that it'll work. But but if you don't know which which track to follow, you might end up going away from home, or just you know, yeah. Or I don't know. Or as, or as Rob said, uh, learn to use a compass. There's an idea. Not a GPS on your phone. No. A real life lensatic. In an EMP, the GPS network's going to be knocked out. All the satellites are toast. So it's going to have to be a couple. Oh, you're killing me. All right. All right, my friends, my listeners. Hmm. All right. Hey, John, uh, you mentioned that deal about the uh, the fire rings. I'm going to go. post it. No. I'm going to no, post no. it on. No, no, no. I asked you to do that yesterday. Yesterday I asked you. <laughs> no, I asked you that lazy bastard. Uh, you just waited. You waited so you could say, oh, I'll just wait to go on the show and I'll call in. Uh, that's the merit, no. man. That's, <laughs> you just got, you got, you know, dinged, you did it. You know, you did it. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> I, I have been 
told you that I, I had a few things to iron out until I figure out the numbers and everything, because this whole situation is training my son on how to do, how to make a small business. So, you know, even though it's a fun, it is a fundraiser for my son's college education, but I wanted to break down, get the numbers down and I got it all situated today, this morning, actually. All right. So there, you know, I'm such a soft touch. You know, I I am, I'm a soft touch when it comes to listeners and friends and, whether you know, I I ask, hey Terry, put it on the group page. Da 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 da. Twenty four hours later, nothing. It's like, well, fuck you, Terry. Oh no, wait. Here's <laughs> Terry. I've heard from Terry for months now. Hey, guess what? My kid's gonna do this, and I'm like, it's like, oh, you. Bastard. You've heard from me. I just haven't been calling in because I've been kind of busy. So. Yeah. It never ends with you. It really doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I've been playing around with ways to, like, EMP-proof your car. So, you know how... John, are you okay? You need somebody to do the Heimlich fan? Yeah, yeah, you know what? I think I need some... <laughs> I, I, I'm just choking on Terry's words over here. I can't stand <laughs> it. Oh, God. I can picture it now. Clear! <laughs> Clear! <laughs> never mind. <clears throat> Um, so, okay. <laughs> AMP proofing your car. So you know how those, you have those semi really fine metallic screens. Sometimes they have it on windows. Sometimes they have them on door. Well, why not have like a, a really fine a metal mesh uh, screen for your car? So you put like a, a regular car cover over your car, right? Um, to protect it from the elements or whatever. But then you put the fine mesh screen over that because the 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 fabric car cover will, will be protecting your vehicle from the scratches from the screen itself, right? And since your car's on rubber tires to begin with on the road, well, you don't have to worry about the car making contact with the mesh screen. And then after you put the mesh screen on your car, you cover it up with another cloth, uh, a cloth uh, cover, in order to hide it so it won't like cause any suspicion. So basically, you have a car in its own Faraday cage. But it's covered in cloth anyway, so people won't know that it has a period of decay. Then, when the EMP hits, you might your car might still work. Uh, you know what I thought? Uh, okay, you know I can't can't argue with it. I, sure, I thought I sure wish I could I could have some way of being able to, to have a proof of concept on that. But does anyone have a nuke so I can test it? No, I don't think that's going to work. I, I, I'm not sure how to test it. To be honest, with you. now I talked to my local. Uh, um, a garage guy mechanic and which he's a veteran too and he understands fully about what i'm talking about and i asked him about you know developing a truck that i wanted to build that's totally you know emp proof just a regular carburetor kind of thing and uh i just want to make sure that it's good to where if an emp does hit anything and he said well or you Another idea came up was you can also buy the components for some of these, the essential components to make sure that the truck can run. Okay, maybe you don't have a radio or maybe you don't have um, cruise control, but some of the computers just for operating the vehicle, you can just swap out the computer part. All right, guys. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. Got 60 seconds. Hmm. All right, guys. Hey, okay. guys, thanks. Final words. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Always like it when you guys call in. We have a good time. Listeners like you. I like you. Thanks for participating tonight, guys. And Terry, post that stuff on the uh, CRN group page for your business plan or whatever you want to do. Sounds good. I like it. <laughs> you bastards, all of you. My lot. I do. I like my callers when they call in. It's really good. All right. Uh, remember the Contra Dawn uh, show, Friday nights, Friday nights here on CRN. I'm John Jeffers here at the Jeffers Brief. That's what I call it. I haven't got my stuff down. I want to say thank you all again for listening tonight, for checking in. I really appreciate it. Always like that. All right. All right. Um, let's see. That's it. I'm John Jeffers here at the Contra Radio Network for the Jeffers Brief. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.